0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Good morning. Good to see you guys here this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Andrea, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to bring you the Word of God today. We've been in a series called Life Hacks. If uh, you've missed any of them, I would highly encourage you to go back to our website, thefathershouse.com, and click on the message archives, and you can get yourself up to date as all of our messages on there are archived. You can go back at any time and listen to any one of them. But we have been in a series called Life hacks, and I just want to remind us of what a life hack is. Now, um, Pastor Tim used all the good ones last week, so we'll we'll see what's going to happen today. But um, a life hack is any trick or shortcut um, or a tip that helps make everyday life easier and increases productivity and efficiency so last week on um we all know that last sunday was baptism sunday so during the week uh some of the guys they come in and they get the baptismal set up on thursday get it all filled up and all of that and um, get it to get it ready for sunday well on thursday night when we were here for worship rehearsal um hannah had um she was walking around those shoes on because she hates shoes which actually i was really glad one time i didn't in her lifetime go put some shoes on um, but I was really glad that she did not have shoes on because when we were getting ready to leave, she walked over by the baptismal and noticed that it was very wet. It wasn't damp. It was like pooling. Like if you go over there and do this, there was just, you know, water just going everywhere. So we found out that there was a leak. Uh, it was all the way up underneath. Uh, we couldn't get to it. So uh, we knew that we had to drain the baptismal because we didn't want water getting all up underneath the stage or over by the subwoofer where there's wires because water and wires don't mix well. Um, we would have uh, possibly come, to, you would have come to church last week and part of the building may have been burnt to the ground because of an electrical fire if we would have just let it go. Um, so we went and got the hose, hooked the hose up to it, had it all the way out the door and we were draining it. But we noticed that it was not draining very fast. And um, we were headed out to go eat as a team for those of us that came on Thursday. So um, I was like, this isn't gonna work. This is gonna take like three or four hours. It was already what, like eight o'clock. We would have been here. Maybe we would have still been here on Sunday um, when you guys came in on Sunday. But so I was like, all right, what what can we do? I mean, what do we have around that we can get this water out? It's not like we could just push it out because it's very heavy with all that water in there. So I was like, oh, usher buckets. And then this is what happened. There we go! We got it now. We got it now. When the baptismal leaks, the worship team is here to help. teamwork. (laughs) Teamwork, right? So we drained that thing in no time flat, but if you'll, what the best part about the night though, when that happened is, I don't know if you noticed the little boy in the green shirt in the video, that's Marshall, who is uh, Matt and Tracy's little boy. And we're standing there and we're working, we're getting the water out. And he goes, well, it's like Proverbs, you don't work, you don't eat. All right. So I was like... There, there you go, Marshall. <laughs> Made us move a little bit faster, too. But, um, but I want to tell you who the real heroes are. The real heroes, heroes are Gary and Glenn, who came in on Friday and Saturday of, last, of the, that week, and they fixed the baptismal so that people could take a next step last Sunday. They fixed that thing, and man, we got some great people that are here um, just like you sitting in your seat today um, who are so generous and so awesome. I uh, I read a story the other day I want to share with you. It's uh, a man says a man was working in the produce department. Was asked by a lady if she could buy a half a head of lettuce. He replied, "Half a head? Are you serious? God grows these things in whole heads, and that's how we sell them." You mean she persisted after all the years I've shopped here? You won't sell me half a head of lettuce? Look, he said, if you like, I will go and ask the manager. She indicated that would be appreciated, so the young man marched to the front of the store, found his manager, and said, you won't believe this. There's a lame-brained idiot of a lady back there who wants to know if she can buy a half a head of lettuce. He noticed the manager gesturing and turned around to see the lady standing behind him, obviously having followed him to the front of the store, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half. (laughs) Later in the day, the manager cornered the young man and said, that was the finest example of thinking on your feet I've ever seen. Where did you learn that? He said, oh, I grew up in Grand Rapids, and if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know that it's known for its great hockey teams and its ugly women. The manager's face flushed as he interrupted, my wife is from Grand Rapids, to which the young man said, and which hockey team did she play for? Uh. He didn't have the best choice of words, did he? Over the last several weeks, we have been discovering some wisdom gems found in Proverbs and learning how to apply them to our everyday lives. And today, we're going to see just what kind of biblical wisdom we can gain about the words that we speak. But first, I need to make sure that we're on the same page about two things before we even move into this. And one is, they're both found in Genesis, Genesis 1, what happens in Genesis 1? Every few verses it says, then God said, let there be, you fill in the blank, and there was. Then God said, let there be. Then God said, the water. The, uh, then God said, let there be, and then it was, right? Well, then when he gets to man, he says, let us create them in our image and in our likeness so our god is a god who speaks things into existence by the very spoken word that comes out of his mouth things happen and we are made in his likeness right having said that let me be very clear although we were created in his image we are not god and we cannot speak things into existence We cannot speak things into existence that never were. Speaking things into existence is God's lane. It's his domain. He's the only one who holds the power to do that. However, the words we speak do hold power. For instance, Jesus says in Mark 11:23 that we can speak to the mountain and it be moved. But let me just caution you with that because you've, we can't just take one line or one verse out of the Bible. We've got to study and look at all of the scripture surrounding it. We can't just take something that someone said because then what we will do is we will run around declaring things and wonder why there's no power in them. Because we took one sentence that someone spoke to us instead of studying it for ourselves. Back to the point, though. Jesus doesn't ever suggest that a new mountain can be spoken by us into existence. Are you following with what I'm, what I'm saying? Are you following me? Okay. It's okay to talk in church. You don't have to sit there stone-faced. It will probably go a lot better if you talk back to me. <laughs> okay. All right. There are 74 passages in Proverbs that talk specifically about our tongue and the words we speak. Did you know that there's a place in the Bible that tells us what God hates? It's found in Proverbs 6, and three of the seven things that God hates deals with the tongue or the words that we speak. Now, God doesn't hate them because they're annoying to him. He hates them because they, in turn, hurt people. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can speak words that bring life those who life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. The message version says it like this. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. We're not only going to look at Proverbs today, but we're also going to look in the book of James because James is often called as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And he writes, A big forest fire can be started with only a little flame. The tongue is like a fire. It is a world of evil among the parts of the body. It spreads its evil through our whole body and starts a fire that influences all of life. It gets this fire from hell. Humans have control over every kind of wild animal, bird, reptile, and fish, and they have controlled all these things. But no one can control the tongue. It is wild and evil, full of deadly poison. We use our tongues to praise our Lord and Father, but then we curse people who were created in God's likeness. These praises and curses come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this should not happen. Do good water and bad water flow from the same spring? Of course not. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree make olives or can a grapevine make figs? No, and a well well full of salty water cannot give good water. James also says this, you might think you're a very religious person, but if your tongue is out of control, you're fooling yourself. Your careless talk makes your offerings to God worthless. I think God takes our words way more seriously than we do. These scriptures make me want to take a real hard look at the words that I speak, the words that come out of my mouth. I mean, James just gets right to it. We might as well, we had worship with, with, with that, that um, passage alone. We might as well just give an altar call and we'll just go home, right? But the words you speak are so powerful that not only, not only can they determine the direction of your life, but they can determine the direction of the lives around you. Um, You may not have realized it, but the words you have received have determined a course or direction in your life, whether that be good or bad. Look how James puts it. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make, them obey, to make them obey us. With these bits, we can control the whole body. It is the same with ships. A ship is very big, and it is pushed by strong winds, but a very small rudder controls that big ship, and the one who controls the rudder decides where the ship will go. It goes where he wants it to go, and it's the same with our tongue. Today, I want to give you some truths, and I want to give you some lies that we might possibly be believing today regarding the words that we speak. Now, I'm not going to give you some self-help or some speak these positive confessions today. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about and what I need you to hear and what I need you to wrestle with is this. With the words we speak, we are either coming into alignment with God's truth or we're coming into alignment with Satan's lies. With the words you and I speak every single day, we are either coming in alignment and in agreement with God and what he says, or we're coming into agreement with what the enemy says. And whichever you are coming into alignment with will determine whether you have a wonderful long life or a slow, painful, poisonous death. I don't wanna see any of us have a life full of poison, pain, and death. So the first truth that I wanna talk about is that words cost, words cost. And um, I was thinking about this in kind of two different veins. Um, One is uh, I know that every single man in here, especially those of you who are married, know that your words can cost you something. Um, if you say some things that upset your wife, um, you know that it's probably going to cost you something. I mean, a Mexican dinner because, you know, no, no woman eating Mexican has ever been mad. I mean, you know, so you know that, that that's going to be, yeah, that's going to cost you. Maybe it costs you with flowers or jewelry or whatever it may be, but um, your words will cost you something. And something that I want to bring attention to us today is it's, it's it's not a secret that culture is changing, that there's a shift in culture. There has been a shift in culture, and there will continue to be a shift in culture. And as followers of Christ who live by the standard of what God says, there are some things that either you have already faced, are facing, or you will face that you will have to draw a line in the sand. And make your decision can I tell you side note you better make the decision now it will be easier than if you have to make a decision in the heat of the moment but what my fear is is that when we come to those kinds of things that maybe we see something on Facebook and and we want to write the wrong so we get on there and we type our opinion maybe it is right maybe it's not right but what happens is, is when we just spew a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook and we're, we're spewing truth. Okay, it's truth. I will give you that. But truth without grace is, the, the Bible says that truth without love, you you're just might as well be a clanging symbol. I don't want to be a clanging symbol, and I know that you don't either. So what can happen is that when we are not careful with our words, our words can cost us our influence. And as Christ followers going forward, we cannot lose our influence. But the only way that we're going to continue to have influence is if we lace truth with grace. And part of that is that we have to get into relationship with people. You know, I heard last week um, uh, uh, listening to a teaching and the preacher said, you know, grace invites us to be free so that truth can set us free. Wow, that's good. If God has called us to make disciples, if God has called us to go and snatch this one back from hell, we have to have influence and we have to first start with grace. First, start with grace that invites someone to be free so that the truth can set them free. See, truth without grace or truth without love is brutality, really. And love without truth is just pointless, right? All right, I'm going to get off that. All right, so truth words can cost, but the lie here is that words that we could, we could tend to believe, in probably more because we live in America, we, would tend to, we can tend to believe that words are free. The law of the land may have given us the right of free speech, and I agree with that. Listen to me, I agree with that, and I'm very thankful for that. But words are not free. They will always cost us something. 38 years ago, when I gave my life to Christ, I became a citizen of a higher kingdom, and I do not have the right to just say whatever I want whenever I want. Listen, this land or this earth will soon someday pass away, but the kingdom of heaven is from everlasting to everlasting. Presidents will come and go. Presidents will come and go. Cabinets will come and go. Democrats will come and go. Republicans will come and go. But Jesus is Lord forever. He's Lord forever. He's not going away. And you and I have to give an account to him for every idle word we say. I didn't just make that up. Jesus actually says that in Matthew twelve thirty six. I tell you that everyone will have to answer for all the careless things they have said. If America says it's eagle, eagle. <laughs> if America says it's legal, does that mean that it's right? Have you ever actually really thought about that? I mean, if. If America or some place says that prostitution is legal, I I cite, a confession, I don't actually know if that's the truth, if there is still places that um, prostitution is legal, because I didn't want to Google it, because I didn't want it in my browser history, just being honest. Vance would be like, why are you Googling, is prostitution legal? (laughs) It's for a teaching, I promise. (laughs) You know, but... But seriously, if a county in Nevada says it's legal, does that mean in the kingdom of God it's okay? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Whose standard are you living by? I know that that's like a swing the pendulum way over here type of a thing, but but whose standard are you living by? Are you living by the world? Are you living by the changing, -changing, ever-changing, ever-shifting culture? Or are you living your life by the standard of God that never changes? So words cost, but they can also be an investment. Ephesians says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only for what is helpful in building others up. I want to talk to the parents in the room and the parents that are joining us online for just one second. We have got to pay close attention to what we speak to our children and how we speak to our children. Because your words will will determine the direction, it will shape um, who they are. Um, It it will determine uh, in which direction that they they will go. And I want to ask you a question. Do you want to invest in building your child up or do you want to invest in tearing them down? Because the words that you speak will do one or the other. There is no category that sits in the middle. Either what we speak builds someone up or what we speak doesn't. It tears them down. But just because maybe we don't have a child at home, or maybe we've never had children, we're not off the hook either. Because as the body of Christ, we have to make a choice that we will invest in the next generation. We have to invest in the next generation. I don't want this thing to die with any one of us. We're not getting any younger. We're getting older every single day and we have to choose to turn around and build up the next generation. We have to choose to invest in building them up, to building them to be a God-fearing generation or or the other scenario is you'll be a part of demolishing one and thus result in producing a godless generation. we've got to pay attention to our words they really are a matter of life and death there's a saying that i'm fairly confident that everyone in the room is hurt at some point in their life and it's this sticks and stones can break my bones but words will never hurt me there's only one problem with that statement <laughs> it just isn't true it's not true at all words can bite sting hurt scar abuse I didn't do this first service, but Hannah, can you come here for just a second? I had this picture when I was thinking about, you know, our words hurting, um, and it just like just so vividly came came into my mind and I thought that as we as parents maybe speak to our children or as we're speak to our spouse or as we're just speaking to someone else if I if if every time Hannah says something to me I say well that was stupid Hannah Why did you say that? Every time you open up your mouth, it's inappropriate. You need to stop talking. And the picture that I got in my head was every single word that I spoke, I'm not going to tickle you. It's okay. She's very ticklish on her neck. Um, Every word that I speak was doing this, was doing this. So now what happens? You can go sit down. Now what happens when I speak those kinds of words or maybe God has gifted her with a speaking gift, Maybe God is speaking her with a singing gift. He has. But if I were to do that, all of those child-rearing years, she may not be standing up here today opening up her mouth and singing because I may have demolished with my words. I may have demolished that gift in her, By the words that I speak, we have to be careful of the words that we speak. You're going to either build her up or you're going to tear her down with the words that you speak. Every single one of us. So truth, words hurt. We know that they hurt. But the lie that we can believe, unfortunately, is words hurt unless you're joking. Can I just tell you that even if you're joking, words hurt. Words hurt. And let's just be honest, when we say, oh, I was just joking, that's a response because of the response we got. That was a response because we just realized, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I will cover it up with, I was just kidding. Proverbs 26 says, anyone who would trick someone and then say, I was only joking is like a fool who shoots flaming arrows into the air and accidentally kills someone. You might be sitting here thinking today, oh my gosh, wish I didn't come today. <laughs> Listen to me, before I go any further, none of this is to condemn you. None of this is to condemn you. This is to bring an awareness to something. We cannot be lulled asleep by the enemy in the things that we just always do or the things that have always just been done. It's necessary for things to be illuminated so that we can do the things needed to grow and to change, right? So we say, I was only joking. I didn't mean that. But in reality, you did. Because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you speak will always reveal your heart. Yes, it's true that only God sees the heart of man. But whatever you speak, you'll give me a clue as to the condition of your heart. For example, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. That's found in Proverbs 27. Now, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a science lesson. Jesus compared words to fruit, and fruit grows on trees, and trees have roots. Yes, I know that you all knew that because I know that you're very smart. If I cut fruit off from a tree, does a tree still grow? If I cut a whole branch off, will the tree still grow? Okay. If I cut a tree down, Can it still grow? If I pull the roots completely out of the ground, does the tree still grow? No. Some of you have been struggling with why you keep saying the wrong thing, destructive things, and why you can't stop, and it's because you haven't gotten to the root of it and then ripped it out. We've got to figure out the root that is causing the tree to grow and that tree that's producing the bad fruit that is coming out of our mouths so that that kind of fruit is no longer produced. Let me change your thought pattern in your language for a second. When things come out of my mouth that don't glorify God or are destructive in nature, I don't say, oh, man, I didn't mean that. But rather, I want to change your language and say, I didn't realize that was still in my heart, but apparently it's in there because it came out of my mouth. So, Lord, I need to get to the root of it. We've got to stop cutting off branches thinking we're taking care of the issue and start asking God, what's the root? We've got to get to the root, and to get to the root means you've got to get dirty. See, if you don't do that, you'll just keep going around the same mountain until you rip it out by the root and then allow God's word to plant good trees that produce good fruit. You might say, well, what do I do when those destructive words or lies are planted? Here's the only way you can deal with destructive words you've spoken. Repent of them. Repent of them. Ask for forgiveness. And by the way, the only words that, the only way that you can deal with words that have been spoken to you, spoken to you, is you have to forgive. Forgive. Because until you forgive that person, those, listen to me, those words are like trees. And they've some of, some of the trees in your life have got some serious roots. But until you forgive that person, uh, listen, it's long enough. It's been 15 years. You were in the eighth grade when it happened. That tree is so strong, but it's not stronger than who God is. And if you forgive them, God will do the things that need to happen for healing to come. See, forgiveness is the first step in uprooting something. And the second is you've got to plant truth where lies had previously been planted, where they once grew. Not just any truth, it's got to be absolute truth, which is God's truth, and that's only found in his word. Words hurt, yes, but they can also heal. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Just as we can probably think of someone who has hurt us and cut us down with their, with their words, we can probably think of someone who has come right when we needed it and given us a kind word that has brought healing to a situation. The third truth that I want to talk about is words last. And the lie that we could possibly believe is that words, when they come out of our mouth, just evaporate into thin air. We live in a day that sometimes I think we have to pay attention more to the words that are typed than the words that are spoken. We constantly live behind a keyboard from what we do at work to communicating through text and emails to posting and interacting on social media. Can I tell you that once something is out on the internet, it can be nearly impossible to delete it completely or take it back. I don't know all of the ins and outs of how the internet works and how people can find things, and but I do know one thing, somebody can screenshot it and it just lives on forever. Destructive words can last, but God's words last forever. The word of the Lord remains forever, 1 Peter one twenty five says. God's word always has the power to break any and all destructive words spoken to you, over you, And through you. This is why I said earlier that you must plant God's truth because there's always a greater word. It's the one that the Lord speaks. So align your words with His. The words you speak have power, and you can choose with your words to break off those destructive words and demolish them with His truth. Now, I want to close today with going back to James chapter 3. In verse 7, James pointed to an amazing human achievement. He says we can, we can and have tamed every creature. Then he finishes that thought, but we can't tame the tongue. More specifically, James writes that no human being can tame his or own tongue. We can't control the words that come out of our mouths and our own power. It's not an ability that human beings possess on our own. Our tongues are more powerful than we are, They control just, they control us just as a bit guides a horse or a rudder steers a massive ship. According to James, the tongue, our words, and how we use them is not just untamable, but it's actually a restless evil. Our tongues, the instrument of our powerful words, flail around, striking without focus or clear intent. And when they strike, sometimes they are full of deadly poison. In his description of our tongues, the way we use our words, James leaves little room for comforting ourselves. He says in verses 9 and 10 that even when we use our words for good purposes, we might very well use them for harm in the very next moment. Our tongues are uncontrollable. They're powerful, evil, and hurtful, period. His characterization is all the more disturbing because James is not suggesting that our actual tongues or the flaps of muscle in our mouths are themselves possessed of evil. Because again, Jesus says in Luke 6.45 that it is out of the abundance of the heart our mouths speak. Just as our deeds reveal our faith, our words reveal our heart. The fruit will always reveal the root. So really, it's not a tongue issue at all. It's not a tongue issue that we have, it's a heart issue. We can't tame our tongues on our own because we don't possess the power to change our hearts or our own sinful nature. Only God can do that. So today where maybe some of you have been going, man, I just blow it all the time. And then you get in this mode where you're like, I'm not, not going to say that again. I'm not going to talk like that. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to shut up. I'm not even going to talk anymore. That, that, will, that will be fine. Well, that doesn't work for you. Can I tell you, this is the good news. You can stop striving today. And you can allow God to change your heart. Now, can I tell you that when you accept jesus accept salvation accept that free gift everything just doesn't get cleaned up all at once so i'm hoping that that gives you some comfort today for those of you who you've really been struggling but can i remind you that you serve a god who is gracious kind compassionate he's patient He's full of mercy, full of grace, full of love. So these things are illuminated to us so that we recognize them, so then that we turn to him and say, God, what's the root? What's the root that's going on? What's really going on behind the words that I'm speaking today? Because I want to get to the root so that we can produce good fruit instead of bad fruit. Let's pray today. Maybe you're like me and you realize that um, this is an area that you actually still need a little bit of work on. And I wanna pray with you today. I want you to know that you're not alone, as in first service, most of the room raised their hands too. So if that's you today and you want me to pray for you, just lift up your hand. Lift up your hand all over the place. There's no shame. There's no shame in in, in who God is. There's no shame in recognizing that there's an area of your life that you need growth in. I think actually that God smiles when we recognize that we need help because he's the one who's the ultimate helper. So Father, you have seen all these hands that are raised and I'm raising my own hand. And Father, we want to be the type of people that when we open up our mouths, that kindness comes out truth laced with grace comes out, that good fruit comes out of our mouth. And Father, we're just telling you that we recognize that we need help in that area. So, Father, I thank you that you are the God who you say you are, that you don't leave us. You don't say, oh, just figure it out on your own. But, Holy Spirit, you come alongside us, and you are patient with us. You illuminate things. You won't, you won't, um, you won't illuminate it all at one time, so we don't have to be fearful that we're just going to be completely overwhelmed with how much we suffer. But Father, you're only just gonna give us a little bit at a time and we'll work on that. And then when we get that, we'll work on a little bit more. So Father, remind us that when we're in that moment of when we messed up, when we messed up again, that you're right there and that you forgive us. Help us to be quick to ask for forgiveness, quick to ask for forgiveness from you and quick to ask for forgiveness from possibly a person that we have spewed destructive words at. Maybe you're here today and remember I said earlier that forgiveness is the first step in uprooting something and you've never accepted Jesus. You've you've never accepted that free gift of salvation. So in turn, you've never had a heart transformation. So you sit here today with a heart issue. And the only way that that heart issue can be taken care of is if you accept Jesus' free gift and you allow him to come into your life, that you believe that he is Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he died and he rose again to give you life and that you will spend eternity with him. There's something in you that needs to be uprooted and it's sin. I have good news for you. He's already taken care of that. And it happened on the cross over 2,000 years ago when Jesus willingly, with the joy set before him, endured the cross and he said, it is finished. And that means every word you have spoken, every word you will speak, it's done, it's forgiven in his name. So if that's you today, if you're needing that free gift, I just wanna encourage you to be real bold. It's the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. You will, you will begin new life today upon making that decision. So if that's you today, I just wanna ask you to be real bold and lift up your hand. Just lift it up. Let me see it. Put it right back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. He's not gonna leave you alone to figure it out for yourself. I feel like there's at least one more person that needs to make a decision today. Is that you? Just lift up your hand and make that decision. It's the greatest decision ever. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank you. I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are that Savior. I believe in my heart that, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And I confess with my mouth now that you died and you rose three days later to give me life. So now, upon receiving that free gift of salvation, I will do the best that I know how to live a life worthy of your name. And I thank you, Jesus, that when you left this earth, you left the Holy Spirit to help me every day of the journey. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make. And we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.